I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. To get in the game in any field, there's a shit sandwich that you have to eat to work your way up. Stayallday.com. Stay exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has, relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreAllDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. Two questions I get asked the most. Number one, Dre, is there a way that I can talk to on a regular basis for accountability to make sure I'm staying consistent and to get help with any challenges I may have ongoing? And number two, Dre, are you going to write any more books? Answer to both of those questions are yes and hell yes. Let me tell you how you can do both in one shot. I want you to go to workonyourgameuniversity.com where you have the option of getting my Bulletproof Bulletin, which is my monthly magazine that I'm sending out every single month to everyone who is a member of my university, where every month I'm writing new material that is fresh game for you to work on your personal growth and your business growth. I'm going to send that physically in your mailbox every single month. Again, that's called the Bulletproof Bulletin. That is for everybody who is a member of my university at workonyourgameuniversity.com. Now you have another option while you're right there on that page. You can also join my mastermind. This is where you can talk to me on a regular basis. I mean, every single week, you're going to get a live training from me. I answer all questions. We handle all challenges and hold each other accountable. That is inside of my Bulletproof Mastermind. It's the second level of my university where, as I just said, every week I have a live training where I'm going to teach on a subject that melds personal development and business development where we get straight to the point no bullshit no fluff no filler material I take the complex challenges that you're dealing with right now and I simplify them in a bite-sized way just like I do here on the show every single day now you can get all the information and all the details about both of these programs and all the bonuses that I didn't even mention because by the way I took all the courses that I've ever created I have a course on how to use your social media story for maximum impact. I have a course called Bulletproof Mindset 2.0. That is my deepest material on mental toughness, discipline, leadership, and communication skills. I have a course called People Skills on building rapport and leading other people, as well as leading yourself and how you can get your point across to others. I have a course called Content Machine about creating content that will help you lay the foundation for building your brand the same way that I've done and that I continually do. I have a course called Toughen Up, one called Unapologetic. One called Sell Yourself. I have another course called 25 Hours about time management and time control. I have a 30 Days of Discipline course, an ASAP Confidence course, and a bunch of other courses. I'm not even going to list them all because this audio clip will be too long if I list everything. All of those bonuses I'm throwing in for free as you become a member of my university and of my mastermind. All the information, all your options, and you can get started right now by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. Again, that is workonyourgameuniversity.com if 
you a want to know if i'm going to write anymore yes i am i'm going to write as a matter of fact every month i'm going to send you a new copy of my magazine with fresh new material for you to keep your game focused sharp and on point and b you want to work with me directly you want to be able to talk to me every week get your questions answered get your challenges handled and network and build relationships and connect with a community of like-minded professionals who are serious about their game like you are all of that happens in my bulletproof mastermind all information and you're going to get started by going to work on your game university.com right now you are now tuned in to the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically and the mental toughness to continue showing up doing the work putting yourself out there even when the success you've expected to achieve is yet to be achieved and on top of all this you get a huge dose of personal initiative that is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us including yourself to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques all underneath the umbrella of one unifying philosophy that we call work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic, as you already know, as has been advertised, we are going to go into part two of two, where I'm talking about the alleged accused racism that is going on in sports management, professional sports management hiring. And this is to wit, specifically talking about Brian Flores, former coach of the Miami Dolphins, might be a coach of somebody else by the time you hear this. His lawsuit, class action lawsuit filed against the NFL for their racial discrimination, even though he just had a job for three years and got asked to interview for four more jobs as soon as he got fired. But anyway, let's get into it. Now, before I do that, actually, let me tell everybody, I have a daily motivation text message that I send out free of charge to everyone in my text community every morning, you would like to receive that text. If you missed today's text, you want to get tomorrow's, text me at the following number, 305-384-6894. And every day you'll get that straight to your phone, guaranteed to keep you focused, sharp, and on point, free of charge. You can even respond to any one of those texts and get a response from me. That number, once again, is 305-384-6894. Now, without further ado, Let's get straight into point number five. We did the first four points yesterday, straight into point number five on this topic of the quote unquote racism going on in sports management hiring. More on this subject of coaching. This is point number five. More on coaching. While I do get that some black coaches may feel that they won't get the call for a job and they believe, whether you agree with them or not, if they believe that they're not getting the call because they're black. They have a right to believe that. But it's not as if no black coaches have a job and it's not as if no black coaches has ever had a job. Brian Flores himself, the very guy who is filing this lawsuit, had a job, one of the only 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL. He held that job down for three years. This is a very exclusive gig. He had it for three whole years and got fired under the same circumstances that three white guys who came before him got fired under. So there's no unfairness happening here, not in this case. So it's very peculiar timing for a guy who just came off of three years to, of employment to claim work discrimination. Further, let's look at the coaching world, the whole world of coaching. And for this one, I want to call on all of my sports coaches who listen to this show. I know there are a lot of you. Many of you have texted me. Many of you leave comments sometimes on YouTube. I know a lot of you listen via audio, but all of you who are in the coaching world, especially you guys who are black. And I know who many of you are. I have exchanged texts with you. Some of you I know in person. Some of you I have seen. And I know that there are a lot of black coaches who listen to this show. So let me ask you a question. 
Let's have some real conversation here, which we do every single day here on the show. All the sports coaches who listen to this show, let me ask you a question. How did you get in the door of the job that you have right now? Whether you're a head coach, assistant coach, how did you get in the door? How did you get your foot in the door? Now, I know some people who are coaches. I am not a coach, but I know some people who are coaches. And I have followed the journeys of some people who are in the coaching world. And here's what I know to be true. To get your foot in the door in the coaching world, not the playing world, but the coaching world, usually you start off by taking some, let's be honest, shitty jobs for, again, let's keep being honest, next to no money. And you live off of fish sticks and ramen while you slummed it and paid your dues. Is this true or is this not true? Is this how you get in the coaching world? You might have to take a low level job that might not even be able to pay you at all or is paying you not close to what you actually need to live and survive. But you make it through while you're paying your dues. That's part of paying your dues to get into the coaching world. Is that true? Is that how it works? If I have that incorrect or there's a different way to get in the game other than being a famous athlete, somebody let me know. So continuing this real conversation here, especially for the black coaches who want to get in the game and the black coaches who are already in the game, who are listening to my voice right now. When you were doing that, when you were slumming it and not making the kind of money that you're making now or not making the kind of money that you wanted to make, maybe some of you are slumming it right now. Maybe that's the level that you're at right now and you're working your way up. When you were doing that, here's my question. And you looked around at the other coaches who were also at the same level as you and they were also grinding and paying their dues right alongside you. Here's my question. How many of them were black? How many other coaches who had to work their way up from zero, like you did or like you are, how many of them were or are black guys? So the question I'm asking is, how many black people do you know, whether they did it or how many of them do you know? Because one thing I do know about coaching, being a former athlete myself, is I know a lot of athletes, when their careers end, at whatever point that is, they look to go into coaching simply because it seems like a seamless, or at least the closest to seamless it can be, I know it's not seamless, but closest to seamless it can be way to translate your skills in one sport into another career. So if I'm not playing basketball anymore, at least I could take what I learned in basketball, what I know about basketball, and I can apply it in another job in which that those skills will be relevant. So the easiest job for me when I got done playing basketball would have been to become either a basketball YouTuber, an analyst, a coach, or a trainer. Why? Because I would have took the direct skills that I was using on the basketball court every day, and now I could apply them and teach them to other people who would now need those skills on the basketball court. And this is not to say, let me be clear, this is not to say that it's easy to be a coach or a trainer in basketball. Actually, it'd probably be pretty easy to be a trainer. It's not easy to be a coach. Coaching is a little bit different animal. And one of the reasons why I never got into coaching and never will. And so what I want you all to understand, and the question that I'm asking here, especially to the black coaches who are listening to me, How many other black guys do you know, knowing what you went through to get to where you are now or what you're going through right now? How many black guys do you know who are willing to do that? Let me ask another question. Black coaches who are listening to me right now. How many other black guys do you know who you tried to put on? You helped them get their foot in the door. You told them what they were going to have to do in order to move up and move on and get in the game the way that you're in the game. How many of them did you put on, help them out? get them an opportunity and they blew it because they didn't want to do the work. They didn't want to pay their dues the way you paid your dues. Black coaches, black coaches. How many people do you know who just didn't want to do the work? Now, I'm not in the coaching world. I've never been a coach, but here's one thing that I do know. 
from the world that I come from, from the culture that I come from, that in our culture, and I'm talking about black people and also talking in the athletic world and the entertainment world that a lot of people want to be in the game because what they can see on their screens, whether the TV screen back in the day or the phone and computer screen these days, they want to get in the game because they see what they see on the screen. They want to get to that, but they don't understand all the work that goes into getting to that point. And a lot of them don't want to do the work that it's going to take to get there. And when you show them the work that it's going to take to get there, they realize that maybe they don't want it as bad as they thought they did. I know this to be true, not necessarily from the coaching perspective, but I just know it from a cultural perspective. And I'm not saying this applies to all black people, of course, because there are a lot of black coaches who are on. And listen, who are you listening to right now? I'm not saying it applies to everybody, but I'm saying this is a thing that does happen. So black coaches, I'm asking you to keep it real. How often have you seen this? When you were slumming it and putting all that time in and you saw the other coaches who were slumming it and putting time in, what percentage of them were black? What percentage of them was everything else? And let's be honest here. I'm saying all of that to say this. When you hear people saying, well, not enough black coaches are being hired to get into the game of coaching and professional sports. But well, we also got to ask a question. We got to go backwards here because we're putting the chicken before the egg. How many black people are actually doing the work that is required to get their foot in the door in the first fucking place to even get to that position? How many of them are willing to eat the shit sandwich that we talked about in episode 1663? Because to get in the game in any field, there's a shit sandwich that you have to eat to work your way up. I see the game of coaching. Again, I'm a former player. And when you're stepping out of playing, or let's say you're trying to get into coaching, unless you were a superstar player, meaning a famous superstar name brand person, you don't just walk into a great job as a coach. To give you an example, the current coach as of this recording of the Brooklyn Nets is a guy by the name of Steve Nash. Steve Nash is a two-time NBA MVP, a Hall of Famer in the NBA. Now, his first coaching job was as the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. He didn't have to pay his dues the same way that anybody else might have to pay their dues in order to get a head coaching job. Because Steve Nash was a name brand famous person, he got hired for that job. Not to say that Steve Nash is not good, but did his name brand contribute to him getting that job without having to pay his dues as an assistant coach or work his way up the ranks? Hell yes, it played a role. There are other coaches who are in the NBA right now. I didn't even know. There are so many former players NBA players, I'm talking to NBA because that's a sport that I know better, who are assistant coaches right now in the league on team staffs. I didn't even know they were assistant coaches. I'm, sometimes I'll be watching the game or seeing a highlight and I'll see the coaches on the bench. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that dude was an assistant coach. I didn't know he went into coaching. I wonder what happened to him. He retired 10 years ago. He'd been coaching all this time. I didn't even know. A lot of players had to pay their dues as assistant coaches for years. And it's not like they're you know, getting peanuts if you're coaching in the NBA or the NFL. But this the same thing happens in the college ranks. The same thing happens, well, let's just say the college ranks. From the college ranks up through the pro ranks, you got to pay your dues and you got to put that time in and you got to eat that shit sandwich to build your way up. You got to hustle your way into a job. This is the deal. This is what you're signing up for when you want to get into coaching. If you were not a superstar, you have to hustle your way into a job. So my question is, how many young black men versus young white men Let's just say people who go straight into coaching, they weren't players at all, or maybe they played at college at a level that you never even heard of them. The first time you heard of them was they were a coach. How many young black men versus young white men just pass on playing all together or at least trying to play pro and they go straight into hustling for a coaching career? Because to do that, again, you got to slum it for a little bit and pay your dues. How many of them are doing it? Now, 
given your answer to this question, all of you who are in the coaching world, maybe some of you who have done this summing, maybe some of you who know somebody who does, maybe just off of, and those of you who don't, just going off of your, just your idea of how many people are willing to do this and what colors they are, given the numbers that we know that there is a much smaller percentage of black coaches versus white coaches, let's just say black and white coaches in the NFL and the NBA, right? Do you think the answer to this question would affect the number of quote unquote qualified candidates for these jobs that Brian Flores is suing about? So Brian Flores is saying that there are a lot of qualified black people who are not being hired for jobs. That is his assertion. And that's what his lawsuit is about. What I'm saying is, what I'm asking is, how many black people are even putting themselves in position to be eligible for these jobs versus how many white people are putting themselves in position to be eligible for these jobs? How many people are willing to work their way up from zero and climb that ladder to get to the point that they are an eligible, qualified candidate for one of these jobs and in both races? I would assume there's probably a lot more white people doing it than black people doing it. Now, why am I willing to make this assumption? First of all, because I play sports. Secondly, because I have the kind of job that I know a lot of people want to get into. And I know that when they find out how much work it takes, they aren't so willing to do it anymore. Third, because I know I got a lot of coaches listening to this show. So I'm posing this question to let any of you answer this question for me, because y'all know exactly what it is. Those of you who are coaches, and you could be white too. I know I got a lot of sports coaches who are listening to this show. So I really want to hear from you all. My text number is 305-384-6894. I do want to hear from you, coach, male or female, doesn't matter what sport. I have athletes and coaches from all kinds of sports listen to this show. I know I got football. I know basketball. There's baseball. There's softball. There's hockey. There's tennis. There's wrestling. There's uh, equestrian, believe it or not. I've heard from all these people. There's volleyball that I've heard from who I know listen to this show. I need to hear from you all on this. You tell me when people find out that you're a coach and you have a certain gig that looks like it's is at least a little bit elevated from ground floor, right? And they find out you're a coach, they want to get in the game too. And they ask you, how do I get in the game? I'm sure you get this question all the time because anytime you have a job that is publicly visible and it looks like a good job, people will ask, how can I get the same job that you have? All right, I get the question all the time. I know you get the question. And you tell them what they got to do. You tell them what they got to do. How many of them change their mind? How many of them turn around and don't want to do it anymore? Of course, we know this happens. Now, you black coaches, how many black guys told you they wanted the job? As soon as they found out what they had to do, they didn't want the job anymore. Or you even put them on, and when they really saw that you weren't lying, they found their way out of that game quietly. And would this affect the number of qualified candidates for these higher-level jobs? I think this is a very fair question, but nobody's asking this question out loud, except me. If somebody can answer it out loud, though, I'm listening. Point number six. Today's topic, once again, is we are talking the alleged racism in professional sports hiring. Let's talk hiring. This lawsuit by Brian Flores alleges, quote, well, this is one of the things they are demanding. They want to ensure the diversity of decision making by permitting, listen to this, select black players and coaches to participate in the interviewing processes for general manager, head coach and offensive and defensive coordinator positions, close quote. So this lawsuit is saying. When a team, let's say the Miami Dolphins or New York Giants, wants to hire a coach or a general manager that certain black people who already work there should participate in the interviewing process. This needs to be part of this needs to be like in the rules that the NFL is going to tell them the Miami Dolphins or New York Giants ownership. Hey, you got to take like five of your black players and they got to be part of the interview process 
before you hire somebody. Like this is what this lawsuit is saying. Let me give you another quote before I even give you my response to this. Here's another one. Quote, increase the objectivity of hiring and termination decisions. Close quote. Okay. I'm a big no on both of these assertions. And I doubt that they would happen. And there's no business owner in their right mind who's going to agree that a employee, Brian Flores, an unemployed employee, Brian Flores, puts out a lawsuit that says you need to take some of your workers and they need to be part of the interviewing process for anyone whose check you are going to sign. So I'm going to write the checks. I'm going to pay this person. But my employees are going to tell me who I can hire and who I can't. They're going to have a say in this. I'm like, hell fucking no. All right, if I'm an NFL owner or an NBA owner, I'm the owner of a team in a major professional sports league. That means I have a lot of money. Usually these people are worth billions of dollars, billion with a B. They didn't get to that position by having their workers tell them what to do, <laughs> what they can do, what they can't do, and what they're going to do with their money. The owners of these teams are the ones who write the checks. So Brian Flores is filing a lawsuit saying that I want the owners, the people who actually write my checks, I want some say in who they write checks to and who gets involved in their decision as to who's going to get the check. Are you out of your fucking mind? That's never going to happen. And that makes this, I think, personally, it hurts the credibility of what's being said in this lawsuit that they even put this in there. Now, I understand that a lawsuit is not necessarily what ends up happening here, whatever the settlement is going to be, because I'm 99% sure it's going to end in the settlement. It's not going to go to trial. That the NFL is not going to agree to this, but you put things like this in there. It's kind of like a negotiating point. You start as high as you want to get with the ideal that you want, and then you compromise and you end up somewhere in the middle of what the situation is going to be. But this is a ridiculous assertion that permitting select black players, it's not just any players, it's not just choosing some players to be part of the general manager, head coach, and offensive coordinator position hiring process. They got to be black guys that had to be part of it, not white guys. So we're they just, they just want to eliminate white people completely from the equation, even though the owner is, all the owners of the NFL right now are all white guys. And they want the black guys to come in. Why? So the black guys can angle more towards hiring the black person. And the owner's looking at the situation like, wait a minute, y'all work for me. Now, you're not telling me what to do. If I'm an owner of a business, I don't care what color the employees are. Y'all not telling me what I'm going to do. I tell you what to do. And if you don't want to do it, you leave. Now, I'm the boss. That's what happens when you're the person writing the checks. Now, Brian Flores, being that he's been an employee, apparently for all of his professional career, he doesn't understand this perspective that I'm explaining here. So I understand why he would put such ridiculousness in this lawsuit. But this is ridiculousness. I don't it has nothing to do with race whatsoever. This is about you no know, being an owner and being an employee. Uh, you don't tell your boss what they're going to do. Now, if I own a business. And I do own a business, if I own a business like an NFL team, let's say here it, that situation is not a democracy. Right? You coach, you general manager, you player. I don't give a damn who it is. All right. This is not a democracy. This is a dictatorship. Now, while I will put people in place to do their jobs and get out of their way so they can do what they do, if I decide that something's going to happen, then it's happening. And if you who works for me doesn't want to do what I said is going to happen, then I'll get rid of you and hire somebody who will. This is just how it works. This is called ownership. It's called being an owner. I'm noticing that a lot of this you know, woke DEI, sense of diversity, equity and inclusion, a lot of this diversity, equity and inclusion woke talk about race usually comes from people who have an ingrained mentality and usually a long history of being a worker, i.e. a person who needs to be chosen in order to have a job. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. I've had plenty of jobs, probably more jobs than most of the people who listen to this show, even though I am a <laughs> entrepreneur now. A lot of this talk comes from people who have the mentality of needing to be chosen. But if I'm the boss, my decisions need not be objective. I don't need to be objective about my decision making. He said there needs to be more objectivity in the hiring and termination process. Well, who's the determiner of objectivity? See, it doesn't make sense for him to put this line in his lawsuit. So first he says, when you hire GMs, head coaches and coordinators, you need to choose certain black people to be part of the process. And then right after that, he says, you need to be more objective in your hiring decisions. What fuck sense does that make to put those two sentences next to each other? It makes no sense. So you want to be objective, but at the same time, we got to choose certain black people to help you, boss, make hiring decisions. Again, this is kind of clownish that this is even in a lawsuit. So these white lawyers he hired are apparently not even that good. Or maybe he rushed to put this out on Black History Month, the first day of Black History Month. Who knows what the hell the situation is? But it's interesting that all of this stuff makes for good fodder and it made for a good podcast episodes. So I'm glad he did this either way. I'm noticing, again, though, these people are coming from the position of needing to be chosen. If I'm the boss, I don't need to be objective in my decision making. So I'm a big no on that one, too, because this is not a democracy. My name's on the door. I'm the one writing the checks. That money's coming out of my account. Nobody has more say than me. So how about we talk about instead of, hey, here's all the things that the bosses need to do so that more of us can get a job, which is what Brian Flores is asking for. How about instead of that mentality now understand this is the mentality you want to play the game of being in the NFL. That's pretty much what you have to do. How about instead we start elevating and putting on a pedestal people who are sharing a different approach, which is why don't we train people on how to become bosses so we can do our own choosing and go over the top of this very issue. See, the issue of these white people are not giving me a fair shake and hiring me when I want a job. See, that issue is completely eliminated when you stop trying to get chosen and start doing the choosing yourself. But that's a mentality. Brian Flores clearly does not have that mentality. Now, I don't know about his lawyers, but his lawyers probably don't give a damn. His lawyers just will serve anybody who will come up with a check. Now, if I come up with a, a lawsuit against the NFL and I got a big enough check for them, they'll take it too. They'll take it from me. doesn't matter what sense it makes. So I'm not putting this on the lawyers. I'm putting this on him because he's the one who put his name on this and he's the one that's going to get remembered for all of this. But we could go over top of this problem if we had people with the mentality of being bosses instead of the mentality of being workers. You can hire whoever you want when you're the boss problem when you're the boss is that there's nobody to blame if and when you fail. But that goes completely against the grain of what wokeness and race hustling is all about. So we'll just have to sit on that one. Point number seven. Today's topic, once again, is we are talking the alleged racism in sports management hiring and I guess also firing. Point number seven, the NFL. I don't feel bad for the NFL through this entire situation. Reason I don't feel bad for the NFL is that they allowed this to occur. They created the fertile ground for this situation to occur. And I'll tell you why. In 2020, after the death of George Floyd, it was ruled a, a murder by the officer in Minnesota. The NFL went full wokeness. They put Black Lives Matter on signage. They put commercials out. They're still putting commercials out. All the players and teams and even the owners participated in this kneeling before the national anthem or right before it or whatever the hell they were doing. They did all this woke shit and the NFL went in with all of it. They created the Players Coalition, which is allegedly some group that's going to do more to push for social change in society and things like that. Has any of you noticed any of the change that has actually occurred because of that? 
course you haven't because they're not going to do shit. The NFL basically wrote a check to shut these guys up. That's pretty much how it works in these spaces, by the way, in case any of you don't know. All right, they write a check, shut you up, you go away, and it's over. This is how it works. That's what happened with Colin Kaepernick. It's what happened with the Players Coalition. It's what's going to happen with Brian Flores. You put this out. It gives them a big stain for a few days. They y'all put out a lawsuit. The lawyers talk to the lawyers. A check gets written. Everybody shuts the hell up and is over and we move on until the next person does it. It's, it's the same thing over and over again. Same song and dance. The NFL created the fertile ground for this shit right here. Because if the NFL had come out and just said, hey, look, the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd was not a great thing. But that ain't got shit to do with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and basically torpedoing his entire NFL career so he can play Malcolm X on Netflix. That ain't got shit to do with this. We are not putting any signage about Black Lives Matter because we looked into the organization and maybe we don't quite agree with what this organization is about. We are not going to bring wokeness into our sport. You are a football player. If you don't want to play football, don't come to work. We will replace you with somebody who does want to play football. And that's what it is. Period. It's over. They would have shut all this shit down. This lawsuit wouldn't even stand. And the NFL could fight it, get the shit thrown out of court or destroy it, go to court, beat this guy and it'd be over. But they can't do that because they created the fertile ground for this. I don't feel bad for the NFL in having to deal with this because they have created the space where this kind of stuff can come up. And this will not be the last. It's not the first and it won't be the last. This is going to happen again. We're just waiting for the next person who feels like they have been done wrong by the NFL and they're black. And they can somehow blame it on racism and somebody white that can be the target of it. And this is going to happen again and again until either A, the NFL kowtows and they turn everything over towards the wokeness, however it's being demanded, or B, the NFL just stops bowing and kneeling, pun intended, to this shit. Point number eight, the topic once again, we're talking about the alleged racism and sports management hiring and firing. Let's talk on the subject of trickle-down activism. This is the one that is it's a really interesting thing that I've noticed a lot, especially over the last two or three years with all the wokeness and the BLM shit, this trickle-down activism. Because when Brian Flores filed his lawsuit, one of the things that he talked about in ESPN amplified very loudly was that the NFL owners is all white people as of today's recording. All the owners of NFL teams are white. Now, there's one NFL team that might be coming up for sale soon, which is the Denver Broncos, I recently heard. But these teams don't come up for sale that often. And even in the NBA, the only black owner is Michael Jordan of the Charlotte Hornets. And he bought it from a black guy, who was Bob Johnson. So oftentimes when this whole conversation about management and not enough black people comes up, it comes up every about once a year, this comes up whenever a black person gets passed over for a job, or all this, this stuff happens over and over again. When Steve Nash, as I mentioned in yesterday's episode, got hired for his job with the Brooklyn Nets as a coach, all right, there, ESPN did their whole 24-hour cycle. Oh, uh, How are they going to hire Steve Nash? He's a white guy. He didn't pay his dues like the other coaches. What about all these other black coaches who are very, quote-unquote, qualified, and they're very worthy of a job? Why didn't they get the job the way Steve Nash got the job? They do this every time. Again, I told you it's the same song and dance. You will notice the same pattern every single time. And here's the thing. Now people are saying, well, now we need to get, at least in this cycle, we need to get more black people as owners of the sports teams, as if putting a black people person as an owner of a sports team is going to automatically mean all the management is going to be black, all the coaches are going to be black, and all the players are going to be black. Well, let's look at Michael Jordan right there at the Charlotte Hornets right now. His head coach, I don't even know who the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets is right now. I'm going to look it up. 
and find out. But just because you put a black person as an owner doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to get all this trickle down results or whatever. Let's just call it that trickle down activism is what I'm talking about here. Their coach right now, is a guy named James Borrego. I don't know if James is Latin, but he looks pretty white to me. <laughs> he ain't black. That's one thing that I know for sure. James Borrego is not black. Now, again, his owner is Michael Jordan. The owner of that team is Michael Jordan, a black guy. They only have a black coach. And this trickle-down activism is one that I think is a big okey-doke is being played on black folks who buy into this woke shit. Trickle-down activism is a woke idea that I can tell you that I don't agree with, but I see it and hear it a lot. So in Brian Flores' lawsuit, he says the following, quote, ensure diversity of ownership by creating and funding a committee dedicated to sourcing black investors to take majority ownership stakes in NFL teams, close quote. So Brian Flores is saying that the NFL needs to put together a group, a committee whose very job is to get more black people to take more ownership over NFL teams. First of all, all right, if this isn't a socialist sounding idea, I don't know what is. He's saying that all these white people own these teams. What we need to do, NFL, you need to find a way to take them away from the white people and give them to the black people just because. Because allegedly, this is the, where he's pointing, is that you get a black person owning the team, then that means more black people are going to get jobs inside of the organization. So we get a black person who owns the Philadelphia Eagles. That means more black management is going to work for the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I thought this whole thing was about objectivity, Brian Flores. So you see how these things get in conflict with each other? This whole thing is supposed to be about objectivity and the hiring process. But in the process of us being objective, we got to make sure black people are involved in the hiring process and choosing the person. And black people got to be the people who are actually making the decisions. But hey, hey, let's be clear. We're being objective here all at the same time. Makes no sense whatsoever. Even on top of that, let's just put that aside. Why does this even matter? Why does it even matter that there are black investors who have majority stakes in NFL teams? Why does Brian Flores care about that? Because Brian Flores isn't complaining that he wasn't allowed to buy an NFL team. He's complaining that he didn't get a job with an NFL team. So why the hell does he care who the owner is? Because of trickle-down activism. And I'll explain to you what that means right now. First of all, if I own a business, regardless of my race, you can't make me sell my business and you damn sure can't tell me which offer to accept. So if I own the Miami Heat and I want to sell my business or let's say I don't want to sell it, you can't make me sell my company unless I did something that you can invoke some clause or something in my contract like they did with Donald Sterling a few years ago. It wasn't even because of the very thing that they made a big news about. That wasn't really the reason that they made him sell that team. But that was a different conversation we're not going to get into. But if I don't want to sell my team, you can't make me sell it. And secondly, even if I want to sell it, you can't tell me who's offer to accept. Let's say one white guy makes me an offer and a black guy makes me an offer. I got to take the black guy's offer just because he's black. Hell no. I'm taking an offer that makes the most sense for me financially because of my business. I built this thing up. You can't tell me what to do with it. But secondly, as a black man who's speaking to you right now, let's just say that tomorrow Jay-Z or Oprah Winfrey buys an NFL team. So boom, now we got one or two black people with majority ownership of an NFL team. Let's say that happened tomorrow. Okay. If that happened tomorrow, first of all, let me tell you what's going to happen. A whole bunch of black people who are YouTube commentators, people who work at Walmart and Taco Bell, they're going to be really, really excited on Twitter and Instagram about a black person like Jay-Z or Oprah 
owning an NFL team. Now we got the black ownership that everybody's been talking about for so long. Here's my question to those folks, the internet commentators and the tweeters and the, you know, these low level folks who are going to be so happy because a black person now has ownership of an NFL team. Even people like Brian Flores, and I'm not talking about him, his career status, but his, his mindset, which is allegedly uh, displayed through this lawsuit. What the fuck does Jay-Z or Oprah owning an NFL team do for anybody who's black other than Jay-Z and Oprah themselves? What is it going to do for you? If Jay-Z buys an NFL team today, what does that do for me? If Oprah buys fucking American Airlines, what is that going to do for me? Last time I checked, it's not going to do a goddamn thing. But there are many woke black folk who keep sitting their monkey asses on the sideline of life and cheer for Jay-Z owning a team or Oprah doing this or Brian Flores doing that as if Brian Flores, let's say Brian Flores does this lawsuit and he wins, right? Let's say this goes to court and he wins. And he gets a settlement from the NFL. This is a class action lawsuit. It's not like the NFL is going to go to jail. It means just mean they got to pay a lot of money. All right, so they got to pay out all this money to people like Brian Flores and whoever else feels like they were done wrong by the NFL. Allegedly. That's not how this is going to go, but let's just say that happened, right? Brian Flores and all these other spurned coaches, these scorned coaches, they get paid by the NFL for being wrong. All right, the NFL gets held accountable and ESPN does 10 days on this and people write books about it. This is all a hustle, y'all, by the way. Let's say that happens though. What happens next? People are cheering. People will be cheering for this as if this does anything other than does anything for anyone other than the person that they're cheering for. If Jay-Z buys the Denver Broncos, that doesn't do anything for anyone in the NFL. Doesn't do anything for the players who play for the Denver Broncos. Doesn't do anything for Brian Flores. Doesn't do anything for any of y'all who are listening to this right now. Does nothing. But there are small-minded folks who will be so happy. Oh, a black guy owns the Denver Broncos. So the fuck what? What did I do for you? What changed in your life? Because Jay-Z owns the Denver Broncos. All right, you... Still got to be at Walmart for your shift at 7 a.m. tomorrow, and you better not be late or they will fire your ass. And guess who ain't going to do anything to help you out when you get fired? Jay-Z. If Oprah buys the Chicago Bulls, great for Oprah. What the fuck that got to do with me or you? Here's the point. And we're talking here trickle-down activism. This is what a lot of people are uh, seemingly cheering for, don't even know what they're cheering for. Many of the prominent black, quote-unquote, voices who claim to be speaking for black people are they are just like all other human beings are they are self-interested just like you are just like I am they are self-interested in meaning they win they go do their thing and win Jay-Z buys the Denver Broncos great they win they make money they get awards they go buy a sports team and you any of you who's a fan of this trickle down activism you are living vicariously through someone who doesn't even know you exist does not give a damn about you wouldn't give you a dollar if you were broke you live vicariously through them while they give you absolutely nothing for all the time, energy, and attention that you are giving to them. All right, this sounds like something that you heard of before. It should. It should sound like episode 1690 where I described you exactly what social media is doing to us. It basically takes your time, your attention, your energy. It monetizes it. They make money. You get absolutely nothing, but you're all excited about hopping on Instagram, hopping on Twitter every morning. This is the same thing that trickle-down activism does. These are those of you who was so happy for Colin Kaepernick when he got a settlement from the NFL. We don't know what the amount was. Let's say he got a lot of money. Let's say he got $100 million from the NFL for his, you know, his lawsuit and his settlement. People are so excited. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick got that settlement. Make them pay you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell did that do for you? What Colin Kaepernick do for you? This is trickle-down activism. These are people who live vicariously through other people. And when it comes to race, you can't tell them anything because, again, this 
race hustling is a religion. Wokeness is a religion. It is not based on logical thinking. It is not based on any practical application. It is religious, meaning it's based on belief. So nothing you tell them logically is going to get through to them, but I'm still going to put this out there. This trickle-down activism does absolutely nothing for any of the people that you are cheering for. These are the sheep because these folks are great salespeople making you think that Jay-Z wants you to think that if he buys an NFL team, that's going to do something for you or is going to do something for, quote, black people, close quote. It does nothing. It does something for Jay-Z. Shout out to Jay-Z for owning the team, but I still got to run my business. I still got to be at work tomorrow. I ain't mad at him for doing it, but it ain't doing nothing for me. I got to handle my own business. And unfortunately, there's something that I've said before. Black folks, we're the only group that does this. We have this trickle down mentality. We want this one black person to get this big success as if that does something for us, does absolutely nothing. But we're all cheerleading as if they're going to give us some of that success. They give us nothing. I said this when uh, Donald Trump won the election in 2016. I said this. I said Obama won the election in 2008. He won again in 2012. We had eight years of a black president. What in what ways over that eight years did your life improve because of the black president? Maybe your life improved. Hopefully over eight years, you got better. But in what ways did your life improve because of the black guy in the White House? Most of you could not answer that question in any way, shape or form that is tangible. Not because of him. Maybe it happened at the same time, the correlation, but it was not caused by him. Maybe you felt good because it was a black guy in the White House. Like, oh, it was cool to see a black guy in the White House and that positivity and that possibility is open. Or I'll give you that point. Fair enough. What else? What did it do for you? Trump won in 2016. All right. How did that hurt your life? How did it make your life worse in any way? Any of you who was and I posted this when Trump got elected. I posted this in 2016, November. I said, if the last eight years did not make your life amazing by having Obama, then the next four years cannot make your life terrible by having Trump. This is true. Unfortunately, on the subject of race, people get so religious, again, based on belief and not logical thinking, that it doesn't really matter that I said it because they don't want to hear it. We are the only group that does this. Oprah won. Oprah got some big success, so I won. No, motherfucker, Oprah won. You didn't win. You still work at Taco Bell. What do you celebrate? Point number eight. Last point. Today's topic, once again, is we are addressing the alleged racism and sports management hiring. I touched on this earlier. I'll touch on it again. I don't feel sorry for the NFL or the NBA when these allegations, even if unfounded, get thrown at them because they have empowered this woke, woe is us bullshit from their players and, I guess, employees and incorporated their shallow messaging into their branding. NFL, you asked for this. I don't feel bad for the NFL. This is just theater. This is entertainment for me. I do not feel bad for the NFL. Now you got to lay in the bed that you made and you got to pay for the choices that you made. If the NFL or the NBA had had some balls from the beginning, then none of this would be happening. If you buy into the woke agenda, then eventually the woke agenda is kind of like a snake that you save from death. Eventually, the snake gets healthy again and it bites you with a double dose of venom in the ass after you helped it out. Why? Because you signed up for it. So NFL, NBA, are you set yourselves up for this? Actually, let me give you one more point. Point number nine. Today's topic, once again, we're addressing the alleged racism in sports management hiring. I want you to notice something. That the same folks, I said this earlier, I'll say it again. The same folks who are supporting this whole concept of if you don't hire a black person, you're racist and discriminating, and that's wrong. That's what they're saying. These are the same people who say if a business wants to fire you for not getting the jab, they have every right to because you're an at will employee. That if a business doesn't want to hire you because you don't have the jab, they have a right to because you're an at will employee. If a business wants to shut you out and not allow you to come in and won't accept your money because 
you don't have a negative test or a jab or a mask, they have a right to because they're an independent company and they can do what they want. Don't you notice that the same people are saying these two things that are in complete conflict? Anybody else notice this incongruence? I'm sure you have. But we'll leave you with that thought as we recap today's class, which is part two of two. We are talking about the alleged racism of sports, pro sports management hiring. Point number five. Well, I get that some black coaches might feel that they won't get a call for a job. It's not like none of them has a job. But again, if I, I want to ask the coaches out there, how many people do you see actually willing to put in that work to build themselves up from zero, starting from the bottom to get to where you are right now? now how many of them are black and how many of them are white? Black coaches, keep it real. How often is this happening? Point number six. In a lawsuit, Ryan Flores says that certain black people should be participating in the interviewing process and he wants to increase the objectivity of the hiring and termination decision. That doesn't make any sense. He wants to be objective, but at the same time, we're going to choose only black people for the hiring process. And who's the decider of what is objective and who's not? But if I'm the boss, being that I'm an entrepreneur, I think differently maybe than people who are trying to get a job like Brian Flores. My name's on the door and I'm the one writing the checks. Or nobody's going to tell me what's objective and what's not. And as a matter of fact, I don't need to be objective. I run this place. My name's on the door. I write the checks. So if you don't think I'm objective, so what? Now, it ain't supposed to be objective. This is a dictatorship. Point number seven, trickle down activism. This is a woke idea that you can predict that I won't agree with, but I see it and hear it a lot. Brian Flores is saying, ensure the diversity of ownership by creating and funding a committee dedicated to sourcing black investors to take majority stakes in NFL teams. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Why does that even matter? Diversity of ownership is not going to change the fact that you ain't get hired. And first of all, you can't take a business away from somebody who already owns it. And even if a black person is in charge, a smart black person who has enough money to have own a billion dollar business like an NFL or an NBA franchise, you know how they got that good? Not by choosing people because they're black or white or yellow or green. They chose people because they're the best person for the job. Look at Michael Jordan. He's the only majority black owner in the NBA or the NFL. His head coach right now and his team is doing better than they have been doing in a while is a white guy. Why? Not because Jay-Z is racist, not because Jay-Z doesn't like black people, because Jay-Z choose the best person for the job, regardless of what their color is. If you're playing the color game in order to do hiring, then that probably explains why you can't hold down a job in the first place. And that makes a whole lot of sense for Brian Flores. This is trickle down activism that a lot of black people seem to get so excited about to see some black people get some black person get some success as if it's going to work its way down to you when it never does. You still got to be at Taco Bell, Walmart tomorrow morning. Why are you celebrating another person's win when none of their win is going to rub off on you? Point number eight, I don't feel sorry for the NBA or the NFL when these allegations are thrown at them, even if they're unfounded and bullshit and flimsy like this one. But because they empowered this woke bullshit from the players, they incorporated the shallow messaging into their branding. They basically asked for this. So you got exactly what you asked for. You buy into the woke agenda, the woke agenda will bite you eventually. And point number nine, Notice that the same people telling you that if you don't hire black, you're racist and discriminating are the same folks who told you it's OK to discriminate against somebody who doesn't want to get the jab or wear a mask or produce a negative test. There's a high level of incongruence in those two ideas. But again, when you're dealing with people whose beliefs are based in religion and not based in logic and thinking, this is the kind of stuff that comes up. But this is where we are, folks. I didn't make this. I'm just telling you what it is. All that said, get my daily motivation text free of charge straight to your phone every single day. My number is 305 384 Nine, four, and if and when you're ready to stop bullshitting yourself, stop religiously believing in some shit that ain't going to take you where you want to go, but you're ready to actually do it really seriously, put yourself in a position of being a boss, being in charge, writing the checks, having your name on the door so that 
you can dictate instead of being dictated to or hoping that somebody chooses you, like Brian Flores, then join me at Work On Your Game University. I got Bulletproof Mastermind, Third Day Mastermind programs where we work directly. You work directly with me and we start taking your game where it needs to go. No bullshit, no fluff. That's at workonyourgameuniversity.com. Again, workonyourgameuniversity.com. Work on your game. Dre all day. I have a text message line now where every single day from my number, I am sending out a text to everyone in my community with a daily motivation message to keep you sharp, focused, and on point to get started and be energized for your day. If you want to receive my daily motivation text, to send a quick text right now to say hello to this number, 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Get my daily motivation text straight to your phone, free of charge, 305-384-6894.